song uh, 25 years ago we sang that in Los Angeles in this month sending out the Moscow mission team to, uh, to Russia so it really is kind of amazing just to hear that again and I appreciate Scott giving me 32 and a half minutes at this time at that time his wa- his watch will explode there'll be a fire follow Roger out thank you let's turn in our Bibles to Acts chapter 20. And our whole text of our sermon will come from there, and 
any other scriptures I use will be on your, they're on your handout of your sheet, so we'll keep it very simple. Uh, when we go to another passage, you can just look at the handout, the sheet, but yeah, I just want to say on behalf of Tammy and uh, Justin that we have just felt so honored by you, uh, just actually for these whole nine years, but in these last couple of days. And uh, it's hard to believe that nine years has gone by. I don't really understand that. Uh, this is the longest that Tammy and I have ever lived anywhere as a married couple. So uh, if it had to happen somewhere, let it happen in Birmingham. Amen. Um, it's kind of interesting because uh, as I looked at this text, you know, uh, it's Paul's charge to the Ephesian elders. So he called them out of the city. He wanted, his, 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 as far as we know, his last conversation with them. And in fact, he said prophetically that it would be. So that's, it's a pretty, uh, pretty heavy passage in a way. But also what's interesting is Ephesus is where Paul also spent the longest period of any time of his ministry, except maybe in jail. Okay, so uh, when it came to voluntary residence... As far as we can tell, uh, uh, Ephesus would have been the longest, longest place that he'd stayed. But you know, as I was reading through this passage, I, I have to tell you that it's just so challenging. Uh, I've had a life goal to be like Paul, but when you read about his conviction, uh, I'm challenged. Just about how committed he is, how, how he was thinking only about one thing all the time. You know, his level of self-sacrifice was amazing. In 1 Corinthians 9, Paul said... He chose not to marry for the sake of the gospel. Well, I'm already convicted. Uh, I was uh, three years in the ministry without being married, but it wasn't by choice. Uh, That's just the way it was. Uh, As soon as uh, the right woman appeared and the choice was made, then I've happily been 30 years married in the ministry. But, uh, you know, I I do appreciate the fact... That Paul just, not that he had anything against marriage, he he admired marriage. He used marriage often as as a great example of God's romantic side. But he really understood that he just wanted to do one thing with his life. And that was to preach the gospel, to testify to God's grace. And you know, another thing in this passage is, uh, it was Paul's last earthly goodbye. And, uh, you know, I really hope that that's, uh, that's not our case. Um, you know, we, so we'll have to pass away, I think, for this, for not to, to see you again. Uh, but, you know, it's all in God's hands. And, and, and that's kind of a sobering thought. But the, the fact is, we have forever. I was so encouraged just by this brother in Russia. I, I talked about this yesterday. He came up and hugged me. Just gave me a hug. And, and then said, we'll catch up in heaven. And he turned and ran away. And he was really emotional, you know. But, but, but it was, I could just tell he, he wanted... To say something, but it was just kind of like if I start, I, I'm not, I don't know where it's going to end. And, you know, I feel that way about the church here. And that God has just done so much and just bring us together. You know, what is similar about these two passages is um, we are leaving. So there's a, a part of a goodbye going on here. But uh, the other thing is that other similarities, we have a faith that remains the same. And the challenge to Tammy and myself and Justin and the challenge to you is to hold on to that faith. To, to let nothing take your eyes off of Jesus and just His amazing sacrifice for us. So let's just turn Acts 20. We'll start in verse 17. It says, From Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. When they arrived, he said to them, You know I have lived the whole time I was with you from the first day I came into the province of Asia. I served the Lord with great humility and with tears, although I was severely tested by the plots of the Jews. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. Now this is Paul's sort of first description of what he preached. But what he, what he focuses in on is, you know, I have, I've, I've declared to Jews and Greeks, in other words, everybody, that there is something that God wants them to do. He wants them to believe in Jesus and He wants them to repent. And that is a command. It's a direct command. You know, sometimes we can just become like another group of people meeting. 
We enjoy our community. We enjoy the fellowship we have. We enjoy the singing and and the sort of the culture that we share. But the fact is we are called out of the world because of a world-changing message. And this message, the gospel, is actually spoken with authority. It is spoken with love, but it is also spoken with authority. God is calling the world to believe in His Son. And He's calling us to help the world believe. Through the testimony of our lives and through the testimony of our lips, He is calling us to a mission. And it's so awesome that I can look out here and say, yes, I know I'll see James again. Thanks for coming up here, by the way. You know, and we have Helen and Remy from our ministry in London 27 years ago. It's impossible, but yes, it's true. Okay, I mean, it's amazing. But I'm looking at them going, you know, even if we hadn't seen each other, and thanks so much for coming, I know we're going to see each other for a long time. Eternity is a long time. And see, God has given us something amazing. He's given us a fellowship that's based in His eternal love and His eternal truth. And we know that we can share in that forever. But this message, the world doesn't know. And this message is an invitation of salvation, but it's also a message of judgment. You know, the fact that Jesus had to die on a cross for us, what does that say about us? Well, the first thing it says is, we're valuable. We are really valuable. And the cross seems like foolishness to those that are perishing. But to us, it's the message of God. It's the truth. It's the most encouraging thing we've ever heard. But to those that don't understand it, it's like, who wants a religion where the leader dies on a cross at a young age? Who wants that? Dies as a criminal, dies penniless, dies without having written anything. You know, you can look at his life from a worldly point of view and think it was a failure. But we know the cross was the greatest sacrifice ever made. And God showed His love for us and our value. But it also shows our state of affairs. Because of our sin, God had to make that level of sacrifice. That's what it cost for us to be saved. And we can't accept the salvation without accepting the judgment. And this makes the message a little hard. And we can try to go up to tell, oh, God did this wonderful thing for you. He, he, he sent His Son to die on the cross. And if they're going to listen, they'll ask, well, why? And eventually you've got to get down to the point, well, because of your sin, actually. Because of the sin in your life, you deserve to be separated from God forever. And there's some people that hear that and go, well, I don't want to believe in a God like that. But that's part of the message, too. That God is so righteous... If we don't accept His sacrifice for our sins, there is no sacrifice. There is no way to come into His presence except through the blood of Jesus. You know, look what it says in 2 Corinthians 2, 14-16. It's on your sheet. It says, But thanks be to God who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of Him. For we are to God the aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To the one we are the smell of death, to the other the fragrance of life, and who is equal to such a task. You know, who wants to be the smell of death? Who wants to be the smell of death? You can't be the aroma of Christ unless you're the smell of death. That's what it says right here. Now who wants to be the fragrance of life? All the hands go up, you know. That sounds so much better, right? I want to be the fragrance of life. But if you're the aroma of Christ, you don't get to choose. You don't get to choose to be this fragrance and not the other. Do you understand? You know, Paul's talking about his hardship. Why did he go through hardship? Because he was preaching the truth about Jesus Christ. And a lot of people didn't like it. It made enemies for him. And he knew that it hadn't finished. He knew it was still in process. 
He knew, in fact, that great tribulation was awaiting him. But nonetheless, he still faced it. It's not a popular message. The same God who sacrificed His Son so that we could have eternal life by believing in Him is also the same God that allows us the freedom to choose to not be saved. He gives us that much respect. It's frightful. And many there are that make that choice. But Paul talks about doing everything he can to persuade as many as possible. We need to see this truth. The aroma of Christ is fragrant. Now, you know, among us, the aroma is great, isn't it? Smell the life. Yes, you know, you ever been out on a spring day when the flowers just started blooming? And you just can smell it, and it's especially good if you don't have pollen uh, allergies, you know? But you're just breathing it deep, and you're like, wow, this is awesome. It's so fresh. It's so wonderful. You know, you could bottle that and sell it, and people try to, of course. But you know, there's this fragrance. And we share that, and we come together, and it's fragrant. But the message we take to the world has another smell. But we will find people out there in the world that go, ah. For those that are being saved, that those that are open to God's salvation, they'll begin to smell something different. But there will be those around us who will never smell anything but death and judgment. It is their choice. They have that freedom. Read a little further in Acts uh, chapter 20, verse 22. Paul says, And now compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. Now, I might avoid the cities if I knew that. But he said, by, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem. You get the point here? Oh, you know, compelled by the Spirit, I'm just going to have this amazing life. I'm going to open my own little company, make a lot of money, live comfortably, be generous to the poor. Boy, I've got a plan. This is great. I can't believe what God is doing for me. No, that's not what the, what's written here. There's no comfortable thing here. What Paul says is, I know in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. What a ministry. You know, one thing that's for certain, hardships are ahead. And, you know, that may not encourage you. It doesn't actually particularly encourage me. I've read Hebrews 12 many times where God promises basically, through your difficulties, I'm going to help you. I'm going to transform you. There's going to be change, a harvest of righteousness and peace. I'll use those difficulties as a discipline. But even knowing that, it still takes faith, right? As we go through those difficult times, to trust and believe that that's really true. You know, at the end of Paul's first missionary journey, we read this, it's in your notes as well, Acts 14, he visited the cities where he had started churches. And it says, right beginning in the middle of verse 21, Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. Wow. Boy, I thought they were encouraging. No, they were strengthening and encouraging. And actually, when you understand the Scriptures, the difficulties, we need to be encouraged. We know God loves us. How much more love could God demonstrate than sending Jesus to the cross? How much more love could He show us? So with that in mind, we look at our difficulties and realize there's got to be some love in here too. God's transforming us somehow. Hardships aren't bad. They're just one of the ways that God trains us. And this is awesome. You know, Paul's ministry, his, his, ser- his sermons, his teaching, it was focused and centered on one thing. 
It was testifying to the gospel of God's grace. You know, this is the same message he was talking about. The aroma of Christ is also a testimony of God's grace. Because if you don't understand the bad news, there's no way you'll understand the good news. What if you had a debt and you didn't know how much you were in debt? You just didn't know. And then someone came and said, I've paid off your debt. You'd be like, well, great. Some people, I didn't even know I was in debt. Others go, well, I wasn't that much in debt. See, the point is, if we don't see God's righteousness and His judgment, we don't really appreciate His mercy. Mercy has no context unless we're being forgiven of something. And so the message that God is sharing with us is, the only perfect human being to ever live, whoever will live, is Jesus. And despite that, He was put to death and accused of sin. But that really just revealed who we are before God. The gospel of God's grace is that God offers us a gift. A free gift. You can't earn it. You can't buy it. You can't deserve it. It's a gift. I want us to look at another passage over in 2 Peter 1, verses 8 to 11. And in this passage, Peter's talking about growing in our Christian character. And he calls these, you know, ver- these various qualities. He names a list of them in the previous verses. But we pick this up in verse 8. He says, if you possess these qualities, these Christ-like qualities, in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have them, he's nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he's been cleansed from his past sins. Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never fall, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, Paul talks about his sufferings as a good thing in many places in his letters. And he talks about his sufferings helping him getting closer to Christ. You know, if we just had an easy life, Someone just put a check through the door every week. It more than covered all of our needs. We could just sit at home and watch every TV show we wanted to and listen to whatever music we wanted to. Just, just we're in complete control, having this, all the things that we want in this world. We wouldn't be sharing in the life of Christ. We wouldn't be sharing. That doesn't resemble Christ at all. What resembles Christ is sacrifice. What resembles Christ is real love. We talked about this two weeks ago. Agape love, which isn't a feeling, it's a valuing. Agape love is putting someone else above yourself. It's not a feeling. Boy, sometimes to agape love, you have to go against your feelings. Do you ever not feel like giving to others? Does that ever come your way, you know? Do you ever feel like holding back a little bit? Do you ever feel a little bit like, well, you know, no one else is doing it. Why should I? You know, you ever, you know, you ever get those little thoughts running through your mind? Or, man, I gave it the office, so why do I have to give it home? You know, worked hard all day. You know, guess what? You may have worked hard all day, but your kids don't really appreciate that or know that. And when you come through the door, guess what? They want daddy and mommy to give too. You know, they, this agape love costs us. Because greater love is no man than this, than he laid down his life for his friends. So testifying to this gospel, it's a challenge. Because it's not just to talk about love, it's to demonstrate it. It's not just to talk about God's grace, it's to demonstrate God's grace. And to show that in our dealings with others. You know, we move further in Acts 20. He talks about proclaiming the whole will of God. Let's read this together. Acts 20, verse 25. He says, Now I know that none of you among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. They didn't have FaceTime, okay? (laughs) Therefore I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of all men. For I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, 
Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years, I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. You know, sometimes we talk about being the New Testament church and we have this very idealistic view. I want to be, we want to be part of the, the New Testament church. And we, we see some sweet moment like the early days of the Jerusalem church. Before they had a big dispute about the feeding of the widows. You know, right in those early days. And everyone had everything in common and they shared their meals together. And it was just like, it was amazing. It was the honeymoon of the church. But you know, the church is in this world. And there's issues and there's problems and there's struggles. And, it, and it's even in the church. You know, we, we've got to understand that and accept it. Just because something's difficult doesn't mean suddenly we're not doing the right thing. Maybe, in fact, we are doing the right thing and that's why it's difficult. Oh, suddenly everyone's not happy with what I'm saying. Does that mean that I'm, right, I'm wrong in what I'm saying? You know, it's time to go back and say, what does the Bible say? Because when it comes to it, the Bible is truth. Now, Paul was an apostle and he had a gift of revelation. So, you know, the way I have to study my, my Bible and the way Paul did are probably a little bit different. You know, I'm not sitting here getting these little visions of Jesus and, and talking and, you know, voices speaking. And That was an apostolic gift and Paul had it. But, you know, Paul was preaching and teaching the truth. That was what he was about. But, you know, the thing it says here, it says, keep watch over yourselves. You know, see to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful and unbelieving heart. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12. We need to watch out for each other. You know, this is serious. I, I want to just thank you, all of you, for the service and the, and the love that my family has received. You know, I, I look at Wumba, all those PowerPoints, and what she does for Call the Worship Team. I, I'm, I'm grateful for her. Amen. I look at Tim, Martin, and Roy, and Andrew's not here, but just standing up and leading, leading us in song. Thank you guys for that. You know... Well, Wolf clapping at the end. Jason Ken, Scott Wakefield, Roy Carter. Man, we got some music happening. We have some men on instruments here. Praise God for that. We have these amazing sinners, uh, sing, sing, sinners, singers. Okay, sinners, but I meant singers. Okay, that was my point. They're amazing sinners too, but they're amazing singers. Okay. Priska, Merva, Mervia, Evelyn, everyone that gets up here and sings. It's awesome. Uh, we've, we've had great shepherding teams, Bryden Spences, uh, the Bakers, and, and there's been other people coming and going. Great to have you. Family group leaders, thank you for all you do. Kids Kingdom teachers, Kids Kingdom coordinators, Sigwarts, thank you. It only took about two years to convince you, but thank you. <laughs> and then we have Judy and Chris, administrative help, just amazing. George and Marion, just coming and smiling and being encouraging. Amen. Um, now people like, like Donna writing songs for the church that we can sing together I know others have done too but just thank you for that Ricky out of nowhere let's do a men's event and make it happen and it happens thank you Ricky Amen. James Cousins service coordinating every Sunday up here helping us get things together and all the others who preach thank you so much Dave Brewster and Roy Arthur for our gospel jams and concerts and everything. Thank you for that. Scott and Julie Wakefield for many years serving in Kids Kingdom and the Kids Kingdom plays. Thank you for that. The Christmas plays. Um, you know, Paul Henry, he's maybe not here today, but just his faithfulness and his smile. And, you know, you know the thing about going to encourage Paul Henry is you always walk away encouraged. Okay? Just everyone who's, who's praised consistently. Everyone who helps with communion setup and ushering. You know, I know Ray Rodney's out there somewhere and he's, he's helping put things together. Thank you for that, Ray. You know, for many years, Derek Edmondson was driving the van faithfully every Sunday. Thank you for that, Derek. 
You know, for the teen mentors and teen workers, thank you for that. You know, there's just so many. Just thank you for being faithful. I didn't mean to leave anybody out, but we got people doing birthday cakes every month. We got people that are just taking care of little things behind the scenes. You know, it's about being faithful at the end of the day. Staying faithful to the message of Christ. Staying faithful to Him. You know, sometimes you don't feel like being faithful. You ever notice that? Sean Wooten shared a story at the, at the Moscow conference a couple of week, weeks ago I'd never heard. Sean had been converted in the same year that the Moscow church had gone out. And as a young Christian, he watched that team. He was actually watching the team sent out. We stopped in New York on the way from Los Angeles. And he was just like, I wish I could be on that team. A year later, he came with eight other Americans as the second wave of interns to sort of build up the church plantings. And uh, he, he came, but, you know, I didn't know him from Adam. That's a good way to say it. Uh, we'd never met before. But he came and he's just like, I want to meet someone myself who's going to become a Christian. And he was confessing uh, last week. He was obsessed with that. He wanted it too much. And he began to realize it was too much about him and not just about doing something for God. And I mean, in that first three weeks in, in Kiev, 77 people were baptized. And Sean was like, I want one of those to be somebody I invited. But, but it wasn't. And he wasn't rejoicing with everyone at the same level. He was rejoicing, but something was kind of not right in his heart. But he told this story. So his last day in Kiev, because he was actually going to go be on the St. Petersburg team. He was just there for a few weeks in Kiev. His last day, he was tired. He'd been out with the brothers. He'd studied the Bible with some people. They were sharing their faith. He had about three more metro stops to go to get home, tube stops to get to where he was staying. And he was just feeling like, I don't want to do anything. And uh, he was standing there and he was alone in this, 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 uh, this subway car. And there's these four other people standing by the door. And a little voice is prompting him, you know, you should go and just invite them. I mean, you got nothing else to do for the next three stops. Go and talk to them. And he's like, no, not going to. And then he's feeling a little guilty. So he goes, well... If they don't get off at the next stop, then I'll go. Well, they were talking, and they didn't get off. The doors closed, and then, then Sean's like, Well, no, it's been a tough day. That's not enough, you know. It's got, if they don't get off at the next stop. And then he's kind of, but he's starting to feel a little more like, Oh, he's kind of arguing with God here in his heart. You know, I, need to do, I know there's something I should do, and I'm not doing it, you know. So, so anyways... At the end, at the end, there's one more stop. It's his stop. He gets off. He, he gets up to speak to them. One stop before he's going to get off. And guess what? There's four people. Two of them are like, thank you so much. We're going to come. That sounds awesome. We'd love to study the Bible. We'd love to learn more about God. Thank you for inviting us. <laughs> and Sean's like, you're welcome. You know, but, but, he's, but he's feeling very convicted in his heart, you know. Because what he did wasn't out of feeling love. It was out of agape love. It was out of self-sacrificing love. And you know what? Like all of us, his motives weren't completely pure. Because that's a tough one. That's that's what challenges me the most about Paul. He's one of the most pure-hearted people we read about in Scripture. He is so 100% focused and sold out. In that way, I mean, he, he was a great example. But anyways, Sean then left the next day. And he kind of t- kept a tab on these, these two people that were interested. And guess what? They got baptized about three weeks later. And then Sean was just kind of thinking about this. Sort of what happens when you really don't feel like doing something, but you know the right thing to do and you just go do it. See, so you, know you know what Sean did? He, he decided to... He phoned them and he just said, you know, I, I want to make a little chain, a little diagram. And I wish I had it here to show you of just sort of like who, who have you helped become Christians? Who have you invited yourself and studied with, etc.? From those two people, there was 40 more people in the current Kiev church connected back to them. Now, you know what? I'm sure if... Uh, if Sean hadn't invited them, I'm pretty sure God would have found somebody else next week. Found another disciple to use. But, but Sean had that privilege. 
Do you understand that it's a privilege to be a Christian? That, you know, privilege is, it, it's a gift to us. We don't deserve this. It's something someone is giving us. And God has given us salvation, and it's the message of God's grace, and we need to preach it, we need to demonstrate it, we need to show it in love. Let's just read a little further back in Acts 20. Verses 32 to 35. It says, Now I commit you to God and to the word of His grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work we must help the weak. Remembering the words the Lord Jesus Himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. Well, those sounds like Jesus' words, don't they? You know, that's the only place we ever have this recorded. In the scripture, these words is here. This was something that that Jesus had told Paul in one of their little private conversations. It is more blessed to give than to receive. And what a wonderful mantra we we can have for ourselves as a community of people. It's more blessed to give than receive. It's funny. It's great to receive some things. But when you've really given and you go home, you feel great. You feel the blessing. There's an inward joy that happens when you love self-sacrificially. Jesus knew that. For the joy set before Him, Jesus endured the cross. So these are the words of Jesus. We have such an amazing story together. And you know, it's just the ending of one chapter, the beginning of a new. And for many of you, you might, it's just a, in the middle of a chapter or whatever. For, for our Fleming family, it's kind of a chapter change. But the truth is, it's one story. We've been invited into the saving story of Christ. And it's so exciting to think about, we have a message. Yes, not everyone's going to accept it. No, not everyone's going to like hearing the truth all the time. But we need to preach what is true. And we need to give glory to God. We need to proclaim the whole will of God. You know, they closed this time off by praying together. And that's what we're going to do. It says, when he had said all this, Paul knelt down with all of them and prayed. They all wept as they embraced him and kissed him. What grieved the most was his statement, they would never see his face again. Then they accompanied him to the ship. You know, it's pretty tough when there's no telephones, mobile phones, email, Facebook, WhatsApp, Instagram, FaceTime, SMS, <laughs> Viber. Yeah, I mean, I can just go on. There's like, they're endless. You know, nowadays, Paul would have said, hey, man, see, I'll be checking your Facebook tomorrow. See how you're doing. I mean, you know, things have been so different. But, you know, when Paul left Ephesus, he was leaving for good. Church history would tell us that his dream did come true. After Rome, he did get to Spain for a while. We don't, we don't know the facts about that. But that was his dream. To go preach Christ where he is not yet known. Well, you know, in Birmingham, you don't have to go far to find where Christ is not yet known. It's actually called across the street. You, know, you don't have to go far. It's actually at the next desk at work often. Actually, it's just across the aisle, you know, where you're sitting in the auditorium in school. It's, it's, it's not far to preach Christ where He's not known. And that is what we've been called to do. You know, parting is difficult, but, but thank God for prayer. And also thank God for all these little electronic things already named. You know, it's funny, the, uh, in number 6, it's, there's a great little passage. It says, the Lord said to Moses, teach Tell Aaron to teach the priests this blessing for the people. And this is the blessing. It says, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn His face toward you and give you peace. It's called the priestly blessing. And what's interesting is, nobody was going anywhere except they'd been to worship... And they've been at the temple in the presence of God. And now they're leaving. And they were going to come back again. And so, take the Lord with you. 
Just because you're leaving the temple doesn't mean God's not with you wherever you go. And may the Lord bless you. These are our words to you. May He make His face shine upon you. May He be gracious to you. May the Lord turn His face toward you and give you peace. We're going to close out this time with just uh, four people praying. Kay and Roger are going to come and Tam's going to come and we're just going down to that microphone and pray for our leaving, but pray for the church together. So let's have this time of prayer.
receive us graciously, God. I ask you, please receive us graciously. Help us, God. Help me to offer the fruit of our lips, Father God. I pray that the Berman Church and the Western Church will forever be a prayerful church, God. I pray that you will find our members, God, in their closets, in their bedrooms, at work, in the toilets, uh, on our knees and praying to you, Father, in the morning, at noon, in the afternoon, and at night, because it is the struggles are difficult. And it's only by connecting to you, God, that we will make it. We know you'll never let go of us, God, but we are so weak, honestly. We, we don't worry about you, we worry about us. I worry about us, I worry about myself. Father, we know that nothing can save us but you, God. Nothing in this world can save us, Father. Not our uh, technology, as much as we enjoy it. Uh, not our intellect, uh, nothing, Father, not our wonderful NHS, uh, not our government, uh, nothing, God, not our entertainment, there's nothing that can save us, God, but you. Father, help us never to say our gods to what our own hands have made, God, because only in you the Father is found compassion. I know that that is true, Father, God, and I pray that the Father is here will find compassion only in you. God, I pray you will heal our waywardness. God, love us freely. You have proven that, God, and I pray that you will continue to do that. God, you, your anger has turned away from us in Christ, and I thank you so much for Jesus, God. Thank you that you are and are due to us, and I pray you will continue to water Birmingham and Leicester. The churches here help. The churches here blossom like lilies, Father, like a cedar of Lebanon, God. You've promised that we will send down our roots, that young shoots will grow, God, I pray for the splendor of each family here to be like an olive tree, which lives so long, Father God, and bears so much fruit. Father, help our fragrance to be like Christ, to be like Cedar going on. Father, please help people, our friends, our families, our extended families, our colleagues, to come and dwell in the shade that we have for you, God. Help us to flourish like the grain. Help us to blossom like the vine, the true vine. Father, and help your fame, God, be in every corner of the UK. God, please answer us, care for us. We know that everything good that we have comes from you, God. Thank you so much that we could be together. We are truly family, God. Thank you for uh, every blessing we could never be comfortable all before you. But I do pray that we will take the time. I pray you help me to take the time to walk around Zion, count the ramparts, remember all the baptisms, all the births, all the weddings, all the joys and changes and all the miracles you've done, all of the uh, Kennedy family's things for Jesus to do that Jesus has done, and uh, every miracle we can remember, God, help us to remember these things, help us to have hope uh, in you only, God, increase our faith, increase our love, and thank you so much, God, uh, that you are God and go with you, we don't need you, Father, your presence is ever with us, in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Father God, thank you for the open arms of the Birmingham congregation, which I believe truly are your arms, Father, that you've reached out and wrapped them around our family. Thank you that uh, though we're of different nationalities, that we were welcomed in, and Father, that you've allowed us to serve and to be served. Thank you for that great grace. Father, thank you so much for the friendships that we have that that really make us long to see each other again. And uh, Father, thank you for the smiles. Thank you for the tenderness. Thank you for the forgiveness that is only possible by being in you. And Father, just thank you for that demonstration of grace that we enjoy in the relationship we have with each other. Father, we pray that you will teach us and guide us. Help us to learn from our difficulties. Help us not to be stubborn or hard-hearted. But help us, Father, to turn quickly and to learn quickly. And uh, help us to share that with others. Father, wisdom is, is when we can learn from someone else's mistakes. And I pray that we can really uh, be wise, that we can be observant, and that we can be mindful of what's going on in the lives of others around us. Father, thank you so much for the fellowship of churches we have uh, that we worship with and are connected to all around the world. Father, thank you that there's so many places we can go and find brothers and sisters. And Father, I just want to say thank you for that, and I pray that we will well, think, be mindful of those situations where there's, uh, there's weakness and there's uh, discouragement. And that we can try to find ways to discourage those that are even far away from us. That, Father, we'll at least remember them in prayer. 
But Father, even more, maybe find ways to contact them, visit them. Father, it's amazing to think just uh, there's 160 countries around the world where we could find people sharing the same beliefs that we do and conviction about the cross that we have. And Father, it's really that we would see that as an amazing manifestation of your love and your power. Father, I pray that we can uh, really go forth today ready to serve with, uh, with two hands and open heart. I pray, Father, that you really prepare the path and for the plans for themselves coming. Father, I'm so grateful that they are, are willing to come, that they're excited about coming. Father, I really pray that you help them in the logistics of uh, moving a family with four children. Uh, Father, that's just intimidating to get on an airplane. But, uh, Father, to think of all the things that must be done uh, to make that happen, ask your blessing on every logistical plan. Father, thank you so much that uh, you've promised us a hope and a future. Thank you that you have the power to deliver that promise. And Father, as we go through moments where it seems like you're holding back, it seems difficult, help us in patience to know that you've chosen that for a reason, that there's something even better in the delay, either a growth of character or dependence, or just in fact a moment to have faith like Abraham and say, even though I don't see how it's going to happen, I believe. Father, we are grateful that we have such a God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.